Everybody okay this morning? So good to see you. We uh, put all the chairs out that we had to put out just about to try to accommodate all you folks so you're not trying to figure out what to do when you come in. Also, um, I was thinking about you this morning, Z, about your father. Z's father passed away this uh, just this week. So, Z Herman, we certainly do appreciate you and our condolences. So, God bless you, man, you and your family. You guys going to Czech Republic, is that right? Yeah, well, have, have a safe trip. Okie doke. My goodness. We had prophetic training this weekend, had about 50 people. It was a great time. Some people started getting healed. And um, so I'm doing part two on why I believe in prophetic ministry. But really, uh, I'm saying part two because uh, using that um, title, it's really a little bit different than prophetic ministry part two. But it is a continuation of um, of last week. And... Um, those of you who weren't here, you could certainly get it on the Internet. We have a on our website, queencity.church. You can get all our messages that, uh, that we do here. So, But um, as I said last week, I personally believe in prophetic ministry. I believe in the truth that all may prophesy. I also believe in the truth that in some circles it's caused more harm than good because people didn't follow the proper New Testament guidelines, but when they're followed, unbelievably amazing, encouraging things happen for people. And I personally believe in prophetic ministry because since I was um, a young Christian, um, the Lord began to speak to me in unique and interesting ways. And so um, it's part of my Christian experience. Also, uh, last week I demonstrated how valuable, how encouraging, and how life-changing it can be when it's done the right way. I think I had six or eight different examples of how prophetic ministry had really encouraged and touched people. And so I just wanted to sort of continue this idea this week of um, supernatural aspects of God. And when I say that, I'm talking about the God who communicates with us, the God who interacts with us, the God who does some very remarkable things and sometimes some unusual, some unusual things. Um, I believe in prophetic ministry too because signs and wonders are an important aspect to preaching the gospel and demonstrating the heart of God for people. Um, why don't we read this verse? Stand up and let's read this together. I think it's always good to do that. How many of you remembered me mentioning, I think, last week about a Charlotte police officer who was at a men's meeting and we were praying for one person and he got, the other officer got healed. And he got healed of a deviated septum, which he never got operated on because he knew how long it would keep him out of the job and how painful it was. And we weren't even praying for him and God healed him. You remember that story? Well, that's him on the second row over there. Rusty, stick your hand up. Let me ask you, are you still breathing well? 
pretty well. Good deal. So, let's read this together. Something the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to I word, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Pretty cool. Now, fully, ooh, blue. I got blue this morning. Let me go back to red. Um, I think we should connect those two things that the Apostle Paul was saying. He connected mighty signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit to what it was to fully preach the gospel. Okay, you can grab a seat. Have a seat. Mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Um, I've, I've thought a lot lately about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And... Um, when you read the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to turn to it. I don't think. Well, maybe I do have it. It's amazing how little I know about what I've done. Let me. Aha! I did put that in there. In the Lord's Prayer, this was what Jesus told his disciples when they asked him to teach them how to pray. And so he said, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And a lot a lot has been said about these verses. It's, some people say it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. Uh, but the idea behind it is, actually, growing up in the Presbyterian Church, we quoted this every single Sunday morning. It was part of our uh, Presbyterian liturgy. We would all stand up together, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom. In my eyes, it's almost got to be this sort of a droned-on thing. But um, the problem was, I never saw His kingdom come as it on earth as it was in heaven. And yet, that was what Jesus. It, it's like Jesus wasn't saying, "Say these words frequently." He was saying, "Are you paying attention to what you're supposed to be asking for?" And expecting. And so it wasn't that you were supposed to memorize the prayer and quote it together. But I'm glad people have done that. It's kept it alive all these years. I'm not putting that down. But that's the very smallest reason Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. Our prayer ought to be, Lord, you know whatever heaven has available, do it down here. 
You see, that, that is fundamentally part of our, our Christian experience. Now, what I'm, what I'm going to do before this morning's over is I'm going to, um, I'm going to basically testify to six or eight miraculous healings that I have been personally involved in. You know, when you read where Paul said, um, for I will dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed, what he's saying is he is telling people what he knows about the presence and power of God from personal experience. And one one of the things I so appreciate, um, Donna, uh, I'm a very obedient husband. And what, no, I'm, you think I'm joking. <laughs> She's looking at me funny, but she, no, she, she doesn't just proffer endless suggestions into my life. Actually, she's very wise, and whenever she says certain things, I take notice because she, she's usually on to something. I may not like what she says. I may react poorly to what she says. Nevertheless, I am listening. I am paying attention. Now, that didn't happen this morning, but when she was talking to me, she said we were talking about what I felt like I was going to share this morning, and, and a very, a very valid point she made, and I want to be sure, um, it's made this morning, is when I talk about signs and wonders and healing and people getting healed, it should never be done in the context of people feeling guilty because it hasn't happened to them and they're somehow deficient. No, that's not the point at all. The point I really want to make this morning is, God's touching our lives and healing our bodies and healing our souls and healing our minds and transforming our relationships are something he does and wants to continue doing. And when they don't go on or when people don't know they can go on, they need to hear what God really will do. It needs to be an encouragement. Um, I am fairly convinced that healing is not more widespread not because of individual lacks of faith, which brings condemnation usually, but it's more an absence of a corporate appreciation and faith for what God really wants to do with all of us. You understand what I'm saying? It's like a corporate thing because a lot of people don't get healed because the person praying for them hasn't really got on board what they need. Um I'm being amazed at how many people get healed that don't know Jesus out in public when, when Christians simply reach out and pray. I think what we do is we get all bogged, bogged down in our minds about not doing it right or doing it wrong when really we should just, you know, sort of forget about all that and just say, you know, God's really good and I can't figure all this out, but I'm in. And I mean, I've studied this stuff for years and I still do not understand how it all works. And I, I know this, people who say they do understand how it all works really don't work it out better than people who don't understand how it all works. So anyway, the point is, you shouldn't feel bad if you're sick or ailing in some regard and not getting healed. There is a sort of a mysterious aspect to it. Nevertheless, 
God encourages us to trust him and believe and get hungry for who he is and what he does because that atmosphere is much more conducive to the activity of God than just being reluctant or being hurt or being wounded or being somehow self-conscious. Am I making any sense? So, now, um, Jesus preached not the gospel of salvation. He didn't preach even the gospel of prosperity. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, salvation and prosperity and all those things are part of that, but his mindset, and I think the church's mindset needs to make a shift. Jesus saw the church as an invasionary colony of heaven. Actually, in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, um, Paul actually describes it. He says, we are citizens of heaven. Well, we thought we were citizens of the United States. Well, you are, but that's not your most important citizenship. Actually, um, I think some of the longing we can all feel, and when the political climate is chaotic, you can feel it even more intensely. But much like Abraham, we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean there are longings we have in our hearts that secular society will never ultimately satisfy. But God has a plan. You know, the amazing thing, that verse I just quoted, for he waited for the city, with his, which has foundations, whose builder and maker of, is God, describes Abraham's life, who was the father of faith. And so that this aspect of Christians should be two things, satisfied and dissatisfied. They should be two things. They should be satisfied. There are reasons to be satisfied. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be absolutely assured of that. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. You can have a security that's eternal. You can know God in ways that he meets your needs. But then there's this other aspect of dissatisfaction that I believe really is part of our experience. And sometimes that's the only part of our experience that keeps us hungry and, and moving forward into new realms and new areas. I know I have, um, John Mark was talking the other day about being sort of entrepreneurial. And when I look back at it, all my kids are that way. And he was telling me in, in certain regards, they're that way because I was that way. Well, I never thought I was. I was just hungry for the next thing, and sometimes I had to take a risk to see if it would work or not. And sometimes it didn't work. But I have a divine satisfaction. There's part of me that stays hungry. There, there's part of me that refuses to um, just rest on what's already already gone on. And so I don't I don't know how well I'm communicating this, but what I'm trying to tell you, if you have a sense of restlessness, it may not altogether be a bad thing. And if you were expecting society or the government or some outside force to satisfy that, I think you're just going to continue to be disappointed. Meanwhile, we should speak into society. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing that at all. But there's something about being a believer that has, 
that is an ongoing pursuit. I was looking for people. I'm... Okay. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew nine thirty five. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing what? Every sickness and every disease among the people. Now that phrase about Jesus healing all is repeated over and over in the New Testament. Um, now, I don't mean it's just repeated over and over because it shows up once four times in each gospel. I mean, you will find that phrase in the gospel of Matthew. I didn't, I didn't go back and count, but I know this for a fact, either three or four, maybe even five times. If you read the text very closely, Jesus, they would literally at times put Jesus in the town square, and it says, and everybody who touched him, were made whole. That's remarkable. I think you can make a pretty solid case that there was never an occasion in the New Testament where Jesus did not heal the person who was asking him to. Now, sometimes it was a process. Actually, if you look in um, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 or 14, maybe it's 12, it talks about the working of miracles. Say that with me, the working of miracles. I thought either you got a miracle or you didn't. Where's the work? Well, here's where the work is. All of the healings of Jesus are usually somehow relationally released. See, that's why it's so important for all of us to begin to believe that God can use not just preachers or, you know, so-called important healing evangelist types. He can use anybody to help anybody else really receive a miracle. And sometimes a working of miracles, I've seen certain guys praying for people, and they would not stop. They would pray and they would say, how are you doing? And the person would say, I'm not doing any better. He would say, okay, let's pray again. And they would pray again. And then they would stop after a while, and they'd ask them, how are you doing? Are you doing any better? Actually, I hadn't even put this one on the list. We had a man named, um, I've got some people that remember this fellow, Gene Hively. He was a retired naval officer. I don't know if he's an officer, but he was retired Navy. And he had suffered a stroke. And he could not, I don't know, is it your right side or your left side that usually affected by a stroke? But one, anyway... Whatever side it was, he couldn't, he drug his leg around, and his arm was not very useful, one of his arms. So he came to church one night. We were having some Sunday night services back then, and I'm talking about working of miracles. So when Gene came in, I found myself telling him he was going to get healed that night. And as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, what are you saying? He is? Well, I was, I was sort of on the spot. I was at least going to have to give it a shot. And so one of the things we would do 
uh, in that season, and this is not something you always do. It's just one of the things we were doing in that season was we would, we would have um, worship. We would have maybe a 15, 20-minute, maybe half-hour message, and then we would pray for everyone in the building that wanted to be prayed for for whatever reason. And so when I walked over to Gene, and, okay, I'm under pressure. There's no other way to describe it because I've thought, I have just said something really stupid. And he. so I said to Gene, um, I actually at times called it giving people a treatment because we would pray for them for a while, and then we would go, and they would just wait. They would just sit in the presence of the Lord, and we'd come back and pray. So I said, okay, Gene, we're going to pray for you. Um, hey, stick your hands up in the air, and we'll pray. Well, I didn't know he couldn't do that. So he instantly got healed. And I didn't, I didn't know it because I didn't really know exactly what was wrong with him. I knew I, what I told you about his arm and his leg I found out after it got fixed. So we prayed and prayed and prayed, and I got tired of praying. I didn't see anything happening, so I left. I said, I'll come back in a minute and um, give you another treatment. This is stupid, but nevertheless, I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying not to embellish. I'm really just trying to tell you what happened. And so we came back, and we were praying for him again, and I got tired, and I thought, why don't I should ask him what, what, what he couldn't do before? And so he's standing, and he's had his arms, arms up in the air for like 10 minutes. And I said to him, Gene, um, what, could you, what could you not do? Um, what did the stroke do to you? He said, both hands in the air, oh, I, I can't raise my right hand above my waist. And I said, yeah, but you are. And this little sly smile came over his face. I said, gosh, uh, you're healed. I, I said, what else could you not do? He said, I couldn't raise my leg. I couldn't raise my, I think like almost, Don, maybe you remember, my foot off the floor. He was really in bad shape. And I said, um, well, how is it now? He started it was one of the strangest demonstrations I've ever seen. He started dancing on the one leg alone he couldn't really walk on very well before. And he he bounced up and down on it, back and forth like that on that leg. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. How did that happen? <laughs> so... That's how much you need to know about healing to help somebody get a miracle. <laughs> it's God. Now, it is us. It is us. But see, here, here's how you have to handle it. Jesus said, you heal the sick. Okay, and then people are mad. No, only God heals. Yeah, I know only God heals. I don't, okay, I'm with you. But it's amazing how unlikely he will heal anybody when nobody goes and prays or is interested in helping the person that needs healing. Now, here's the way you handle that without taking the glory. If God blesses something you do, you could do everything you did and it's still not work at all unless God blessed it, right? So who gets the credit? Well, look what I did. And I know long enough. I've done church a long time and I've seen things work and I've seen things not work. And I know 
we really do have to keep in our heart that God does these things, but he doesn't do them by himself. You know, people say, well, you know, God, God doesn't need me. Nobody needs somebody. Because he, not need is probably wrong. He's chosen to use you, you and I. And healing was, an, was a huge part of what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. Um, there are other scriptures, um, like Luke 9, 1 and 2. There it is. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Say power and authority. Power and authority, because there's a difference in power and authority. Um, power is um, the incredible hulk will stop your car even if you try to run over him. That's power. Authority is when a policeman holds up his hand and you stop because you know what will happen to you based on the authority he represents if you don't stop. And see, so Jesus has given us both power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And so what happens is, as I've looked at over the years, some illnesses are healed as a result of a release of power that can be felt or seen. Other people are healed as a result of someone taking authority over a person's condition and it just leaving as though the condition were a personal thing. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but power and authority. He gave us both power and authority. And then what did he do? He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to, to heal the sick. So, um, I have a number of these. What I have to see the time here. Okay, we're in pretty good shape because I wanted to, at the end of the uh, end of the service today for us to see um, if the Lord would heal some people. So, conjure up some of your diseases. Don't don't forget you're sick or whatever you need. And um, but I really did want you to see how you don't really have to know what you're doing for something wonderful to happen because we have a wonderful God and there are no experts. There are really no experts at this. But I was thinking about a woman I preached up in the mountains a number of years back at a church called Mountain Vintage. And there was a lady there named Joan. I'd never met her before, and I didn't know it, but she needed a knee replacement. And what she told me later was that I think she used to be a runway model. She was retired. She she up in age. But her knee had bone on bone. She said her knee, her bones were grinding all through the church service, which meant she could feel them and hear them. I, I could not hear them, but she could hear them. So at a given moment when I prayed, she felt heat. It started in her face. It spread down to her chest and down to the bottom of her feet. 
and then it flowed all through her. Now, I hadn't touched her. But I called out her name. And I looked because when I looked at her, I knew something was going on. Uh, sometimes you can look and tell if you've done been around some of this. And um, I asked her what was going on. Well, she told me about her knee, and when she tried it out, she was completely pain-free, completely pain-free. And it, and it wasn't, you know, we beat poor Gene Hively to death. Those treatments got pretty rough on dear old Gene. <laughs> We didn't know what we were doing. We don't do that anymore. But, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I misrepresented that. But we were laying hands on him with great vigor. <laughs> Donna thought he was going to come out of there in worse case uh, than he came in. But nevertheless. Um, so I interviewed Joan the next morning. She was still completely healed. She just had no pain whatsoever. Um, back in 2010, there was a guy named Michael Rice, and he had a cancerous brain tumor. And we had a prayer line, and people were coming through, and we were praying for them. And it, sometimes I would actually, I would have a handkerchief. I know this is sort of Benny Hinnish, so please don't freak out. But the Bible shows us, and the Apostle Paul uh, actually talks about this, that the anointing or the power of God can be transmitted through tangible things. And I, I don't understand that. I just, I just know from what I've read and from what I've experienced that it is true. Um, the woman with the issue of blood got healed by touching Jesus' garment, something, I, and I don't know, but it's cool, and I, it's great. So when he came through, I laid my hand on his head, and I had that handkerchief, and... Um, he, it's like the power of God uh, touched him, and it disappeared. The tumor disappeared. So um, I wrote him a letter. I heard about your MRI, and I'm excited for you. Two questions I have. Number one, did the doctors determine if the tumor was cancerous and or malignant? Number two, when did you notice that it left? Was it in the prayer line when I put the handkerchief on your head or before? Once again, I'm so glad you got healed. That's the letter I wrote him. And he wrote back, hey, Dr. Ginko did diagnose it as cancerous on December 31st. I was healed when I walked through the line and your handkerchief touched my head. He started jumping up and down and getting real excited. It sort of aggravated me. That's not what I'm saying that. So, But anyway, nevertheless, control issues, I guess. He said, the power of God went through my body. I felt like I was burning up and knew that he burnt up my tumor. So I haven't talked to him since. Hopefully he's still, he's still healed. Now there's another gentleman named um, Jonathan. I'm not giving the last names I can because I don't know if they would be interested in everybody knowing who they were. But when you talk about the prophetic, I had a word of knowledge I was asking the Lord about, Lord, give me words of knowledge for people to get healed tonight. And what we would do is we would inquire of the Lord. We'd write down what we got. And then at a given point in the service, we would say, is anyone here with 
a certain condition, and if they had it, they would stand up or come up and, and pray. So I was asking the Lord for a word of knowledge, and the Lord said, hang nails. And I, I, I really did think, I'm not, that's too stupid a thing. I'm not doing that. I'm just, you know, this is how the Lord can work. And the Lord basically said, if I don't do the small ones, he wouldn't give me the big ones. And and see, big ones aren't about me. Big ones, I mean, there's a big difference in a hangnail and cancer. And that's what I was wanting to see was somebody that really needed help. Not a, get a Band-Aid, bro, keep moving. <laughs> get out of the way of these really sick people. No, I don't, you know, just, but you just, we, but the wonder of it is God doesn't think that way at all. He wanted the guy with the hangnail. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And then he said, the Lord, and this was through an impression, and I wrote this other thing down. There was someone present who had suffered some kind of damage from steroid use, and the Lord wanted to heal them. But that doesn't even compute. I don't know how you can get damaged by steroids because I don't know anything about steroids. So I called those two out, and there were two people healed of hangnail. One of them had his thumb hat nail half ripped off, Cutting the grass, he got a, like a real, he got a real miracle. I mean, and I went, wow, that's okay. I'm, that's, woo, okay, wow, huh, figure that. Um, and then some people came up for steroid damage, which didn't make any sense to me. I just said what I felt like the Lord said. So this one gentleman, I said, now tell me exactly what your problem is. He said, well, I took these steroids and I've gotten, brain damage from the steroids, and I've lost um, a lot of my motor skills. I used to play the drums. I used to play golf. I can't do either one. I don't have the coordination of the motor skills because it's affected the right, I think it was the right front lobe of his brain. So I said, oh, wow. So um, he actually had a, a CAT scan that showed the damage, and so we prayed for him, me and a couple other people. And one of the things I said to him when I prayed, I said, okay, we're going to pray for you for a little bit. Then I want you to do this. Just sit sit there and just sort of soak and, and receive whatever God wants to do for you. So he did, and then he got up and he left. Well, I found out later he got healed. He actually went to um, Palmer Holtz here. He goes to Byron and Becky Wicker's church. He went to Byron and Becky Wicker's church um, the next. That was on... Friday night, he went to Byron and Becky's church Sunday, and at the end of their meeting, he asked them if during the ministry time, and they apparently knew him, if he could play the drums. And they said yes. And so he played the drums. So he went from brain damage not playing the drums to playing the drums, and then I found out he had gone out and played golf, and he shot 93. Uh, that's not good for some people. I've never shot a 93. That'd be good for me. He went out two days later playing the drums. By the end of the week, he played 18 holes of golf. He went back to the doctor who did another CAT scan, and the doctor asked him what he had been doing over the month since their last visit. And Jonathan wouldn't tell him about the healing. He only said he'd been taking the drug he prescribed, which hadn't done anything for him. Well, the doctor did another CAT scan 
And this is what he said. The doctor said that the scan showed that he had a new brain. These are, I was, these are people I know or met or was involved with personally. These aren't stories from someone else's testimony. Um, a friend of mine has in the past had a yearly meeting up at, um, CBN at their big conference center and he called it the throne zone and it was a big worship conference. And I went up there and spoke at it. And after the, um, after one of the meetings, I had prayed, um, for a one woman in particular, she had a 50% vision loss in one eye. And here's another case. I prayed for the first time. Nothing happened. Then I didn't even pray for her the second time. I actually gave the usher my handkerchief. I'm, I don't mean to be talking about this handkerchief. It's sort of embarrassing, but he prayed for her with a handkerchief and she got completely healed in her eye. And, um, it was a pretty strange meeting, but in the middle of the preaching, people started running through the building. And I didn't tell them to. They just started it. Now, at times I enjoy things like that. I'll have to be honest. But I know it makes a lot of people nervous, so I don't major in it. And I'm not. But uh, actually, one woman got somebody to push her in her wheelchair because she couldn't keep up with that crowd that was going. And anyway, this woman that ran had asthma. And the Lord told her. I didn't tell her. The Lord told her to run, and he would heal her. So she took off running. She might have been the first person that ran. I don't know how it all worked. She got completely healed of her asthma. Then later, she was the same woman that got the rest of her eyesight back. I was there. I can't see. Okay, I better hurry up. Um, Kim Reese was healed of multiple sclerosis. She hadn't worked in five years. She had a battery implant for pain. She came to the meeting on a cane. Sometimes she walked with a cane. Most of the time she used a wheelchair. She told me she had a $16,000 wheelchair at home. Um, when I saw her, she was very sad. And it happened after the, the meeting was over. Everybody was gone. You know, it's terrible when a miracle happens and everybody's gone. It does not help my reputation at all, but it sure helped that lady, which... So wait, but God, he's so different. He, not, God's not very obedient. I don't know if you've realized that, but um, I was just trying to help her be happy because in my mind I thought, no way this woman's getting healed. No way this woman's getting healed. I'm just going to try to keep her from being sad. So I said some things to her, and then I said one thing. I had this thought. I said, are you a member of the body of Christ? And she thought I was asking her if she went to church. And I said, no, no, are you a believer? Oh, she said, oh, yes, I'm a believer. And I said, so you're a part of the body of Christ. She said, yes. And I said, well, Jesus doesn't have multiple sclerosis. So you must be getting healed. And then I prayed for her. And it was time to go, and I happened to be sitting down, and I was looking for my computer bag, which had a heavier computer in it than these little lighter ones now. And I said, does anybody see my computer bag? 
She's standing up. She reaches down with her weakest arm, picks my computer back up, and she's holding it straight out like that. And I don't think anything of it. I'm just happy, you know, to get my computer back. So she looks at me and she says, I can't do this. And I said, well, you are doing it because Jesus is healing you. And then she told me that um, steps were her enemy. So there was like six or eight steps up to the platform. She walked up the steps and across. And then she gave me her cane and went home. Oh, she did ask me to feel her pacemaker, which she said, feel that. And I said, I'm good. <laughs> no, she said, no, there's a pacemaker in there. And I said, well, okay. And I touched it. but <laughs> she, that, Jesus healed that woman. And I didn't, I wouldn't, I really thought she's not getting healed. I want to help her be happy. Then I'm going home because I'm tired. I preached. I mean, I was really thinking this. Terrible. I was thinking that way. One of the ladies, Sue Wells, she broke her arm in six places. She was told she would never have complete use of it again. She drove a FedEx truck for a living. She lost her job. She could not even brush her hair. And in a, in a meeting at Abide in the Vine up in New York, um, I simply asked people to stand up. She stood up, and I asked the Lord, and I saw that she had this big brace on. I said, Lord, please heal that dear woman. She really did let out a scream, hit the deck, ripped that thing off, started moving her arm in ways she could not. She was completely healed. So I've got a couple of more. but So let's do this. That same Jesus is here this morning, and he's not mad at you for not having enough faith. He loves you. He wants to touch you. So everybody in here that needs a healing, why don't you just stand up? And Christopher, if you'll put a little bit of music on back there or something. I have earned in here over the years a certain amount of credibility, right? And I've done everything I could this morning to not embellish one of these stories. Some of them were more phenomenal. There was a time Joe Duncan got drunk in the Holy Ghost, which is something that can happen to people, fell down on the floor and laughed, and God completely healed him of a terrible back condition that came when a car hit the pole he was working on as a telephone uh, repairman knocked him 20 feet off the pole to the ground where it broke his back. He stayed in pain meds. But when he quit laughing on the floor, he was completely healed and started praying for his buddy at NASCAR every year, and they started getting healed. But see, there are times where the power of God touches you in, in sometimes strange ways, through laughter or tears or through a heat. And then there are times God touches you and you don't feel anything at all, and you don't have to. Except you want to feel better, right? So let's, let's make a few. Jesus said he gave us power and authority over all the works of the enemy. So agree with me this morning. We take authority. Let's say that together. We take authority 
over all sickness and disease. All sickness and disease. And we proclaim to demonic powers, you have no authority over these people. I claim that in Jesus' name. I speak that clearly. You know who you are. You know you have to stop. So why don't we stay together? I believe that Jesus heals. I believe that Jesus can heal me. Oh, let's do this. Let's say, Lord Jesus, heal me. Lord Jesus, heal me. Lord, just let your power come rest on people now. Lord. Lord, touch neurological disorders, Lord. Muscular, strange muscular um, sicknesses and diseases, Lord. Or female, Lord, conditions. Lord, depressions. Lord, confusion. We banish confusion this morning in Jesus' name. How many of you have back issues? Well, put your hand on the place on your back where you have an issue and just begin to speak. Just speak the healing power of Jesus. We just speak that now. Jesus' healing power. We release you by faith. Lord, we do not try to do this perfectly, but we know the perfect master. We know the one who uh, commands the winds and the waves. We know the one, you, Lord Jesus, who healed every sickness and every disease. Matter of fact, why don't, uh, if you feel compelled or led, why don't you come out of your seat? We have uh, Stephen Giordano and some team members will be glad to lay hands on you and pray for you some more. But just make your way out of your seat if you want more specific prayer.